0: Blunt, Penknife, doing Welcome back to Hamster uh, Night with a Blunt Pen Knife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. I'm starting to sound like a bloody robot. I don't know the amount of time to play that thing. Hello, I am here today having a ball with the glorious
1: Stephen Alexander. Say hello, Stephen. Hello, Joe. Hi.
0: Do you prefer Steve?
1: i uh, i'm upset for i don't notice i don't notice or mine. steve or steven will do fine but but spell it with a v do not spell it with a ph
0: you heard it here first folks okay <laughs> um i have got a question for you from me and it is about the whole so we talked about are the robots human and we're kind of came to the conclusion that no they are definitely treated as robots things that can be programmed things that can be deactivated but also uh sort of robots that we can actually project emotional feelings onto and sort of have a connection with i want to talk to you about the whole uncanny valley thing which Ooh. i think is super interesting and it didn't really frighten me as a child. I just thought they were great robots as a child. Now, as an adult, the fact that they have um, this sort of twisted, beautiful, still human face slapped on them, I find really sinister. In the same way I find clowns really sinister. That like, sort of the fake painted smile. Um, yeah. Is it a mockery of humanity?
1: Well, I think the terrifying thing about the robots is that, particularly with the robots in this show, is that they're like a human. They are a human wearing a mask. They are like a human wearing a mask. But you know, you pull that face off, there's not a human underneath. There's just machinery and circuitry. And you've been talking to this thing and it and it comes across as human and that's the same with d84 that's the same with the robots we like same with sv7 the the terrifying supervisor it's but but then they're not human you pull that mask away and and you've got emptiness does that
0: say something about this society then that these could look like you know those robots in a um not amy's choice the girl who waited just sort of just Mm. round heads and things just sort of white functional looking robots what this decadent society wanted serving them, and their every whim was a twisted version of a human.
1: Yeah, with with, with big fulsome lips, with big fulsome, lips, so so beautiful looking. They
0: they want to look at a beautiful version of themselves, and yeah. and treat them
1: terribly as well. Do you think they look particularly male or female, or are they or not sure? I think they look a little, look
0: a little look both. Actually, it's a very clever design.
1: Hmm. Yeah, because they've got, I, I, but then the humans also wear makeup that is, makes, I, I, I not, it doesn't work successfully with Yuvanov, but some of the others, because they're wearing makeup, they're all slightly androgynous. They're all slightly in between, which look, I just look spectacular. Well, uh, it's yeah. weird
0: though. I said to you like uh, that uh, Paul's behavior really scared me. And yet hmm. the robots didn't scare me so much. But now I realize it's kind of all linking in because robophobia is literally a fear of like it's a fear of that sort of false humanity isn't it
1: yeah yeah well, I, and i mean I, robots terrified me as a kid one of the robots that terrified me the most uh or two of the robots terrified the most were in star wars so you have uh and they've both got numbers there's 88 and they're i think it's ig 11 and they're the ones so in the bounty hunter scene with bob fett and the emperor strikes back there's this one robot which has got sort of a kettle head and it's tall and spindly and they brought it back in the mandalorian to do loads of shooting and stuff and be really cool but i have i i, I have a vivid mem- remembrance of a, a nightmare i had uh just after my sister had been born um where i, I i'm pretty sure it was, it was either ada or though it was one of those two robots in it but uh, there was a big white room and there was a pram with my sister in it. And there was this, the robot was there and there was this big ribbon holding the pram. And the robot just cut the ribbon. And in nightmare terms, that was absolutely uh, you know, uh, terrifying. That's terrifying
0: just you telling me that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, so, it's so terrifying. I actually did it as... Um, so I did my toy photography. I actually did it as a toy photo with the with the robot pushing the pram because it was just such a vivid image in my head. Um, and the, the other robot that, I, it's not really a robot, it's a computer, but it's HAL 9000. I'll probably watch 2001 uh, when I was about six or seven and I did not sleep for a year. I tell you, that is that was the scariest damn thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Um, just this calm robot voice and the monolith appearing out of nowhere. It was just like, ah, Jesus. Um, so those are the things that scare me. And but it is, it's the, it is the emptiness for me. It's the that there's a robot and there's nothing behind it that that scares me the most. Do
0: you know the robot that scared me the most?
1: Yeah, what's what's um, your it was Tori. The Tory in Battlestar
0: Galactica, and it was, I'm sorry, there is going to be a spoiler here, folks. This has been out for over a decade. You have had your chance to watch it. Skip the next five minutes if you don't (laughs) hear this. When Tori is revealed to be a Cylon at the end of episode three, and she's always been a very sort of proficient but humane character, she Mm. realises that she's an automaton, and she realises she can be fucking evil now if she wants to be, and she wants to be. And so she makes the choice to murder one of the regulars in an airlock in a really horrific scene where she takes the baby off this woman and she goes, it's, f- it's fine, I'll take the baby. And then she goes through and then sucks her into space. And she basically makes her choice. Like, no, 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 I'm not a human being. I can do terrible things. Mm. It's absolutely
1: chilling. Yeah, well, they've got no compassion. They never give up and uh, <laughs> they'll chase you forever. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Borg, isn't it oh <laughs> uh, well yes well but then the ball did their own thing and
0: yeah the point is is this story is working on these sort of levels we've already mentioned classism then hmm. that uncanny value thing the bit where Paul's like you know they pre- we they pretend that we control them but really but really <laughs> you know all of that is a bit theatrical but he's making a point yeah. yeah they are they are terrifying what is it called them? the walking
1: dead he literally calls them doesn't he yeah well they've got the corpse markers haven't they but it just it, it's it does it it doesn't like oh my god this is gonna be a really deep discussion it just casually throws these things on screen and does them in a naturalistic uh, well i say naturalistic but a natural progression kind of way and uh, yeah and uh, but then you're left with those thoughts
0: Look how brilliantly uses Leela, who uh, uses body language. They talk about body language in this world, don't they? About how you carry yourself, and the robots don't have that, you know, literal one, Cany Valley. So she can't predict them. She'll throw their knife on it, just go, yeah, boing, you know.
1: <laughs> yeah, she she's creeped out by them as much as we are. I think it's creepy mechanical men.
0: There is a psychological aspect of this, and I think psychological horror is more effective as an adult. Mm. Uh, it really is and it's just really done well here yeah
1: but we get a bit of other anyway let's shall we do part well, two yeah
0: let's do it well, I, well as well because i you know what there's also um there's also some body horror in this as well that horrible gunk on that hands that oh yeah my hand but also lots of uses needles and things like this anyway episode two let's do it
1: okay in SV five, SV four, SV three, SV two, SV one, and here we go. Um, I, I as everyone said, has everyone said how brilliant the Tom Baker title sequence is? Mm-hmm. Oh, good. There the we go. It
0: looks like going up a gastric track, though.
1: <laughs> I, I, I apparently it's the same thing as a stretched plastic carrier bag with oily kind of textures on it. Have you seen how they make it? Have you seen the the, the rotoscope? documentary Man. oh it's it's so much effort it is so much effort it's incredible oh,
0: the link below come on when this comes out
1: yeah we'll find it we'll find it anyway so tom's gone in for a latte gets more than he <laughs> bargained for. This is
0: why i find these scenes very strange it's because uh, i feel like we're killing time we've already done this in my <laughs> vhs version we'd already skipped on with the plot by now
1: we should have done we should have done the vhs version we should have just gone straight through and done a four hour <laughs> VHS track and i love his i love his battery pack we had that torch i had that torch even in the 80s that lovely battery powered torch
0: there is an unusual amount of blood in this as well he just had blood around his neck we mm-hmm. see blood on the robot's hands later don't we like yeah
1: mary Whitehouse is having well mary Whitehouse must have missed this one because there's so much horror and blood in it it's, but it, it doesn't feel gothic in the way that some of the others do because it's a clean sci fi setting. It's not like uh, we get Stones of Blood later on or Mask of Mandragora. That feels very gothic. But it is going for the scares in a big way.
0: Do you think there is. Oh, actually, this is something I've talked about a lot lately on Hansa. And mm. I think I've, I'm not coming down to Mary Whitehouse, side. Like, don't get me wrong. When I was a kid, I was lapping this shit up all the screen. Oh, yeah. yeah. But is there a responsibility to not send children to bed sort of
1: wetting the bed well there is a responsibility i mean but the responsibility extends as far as having guns in fiction you know i mean guns are horrible horrible things i i i, I went to america um i went to a shooting range in las vegas and simon hart had this because i went out with simon simon Hart had this more than me but it was so horrible. It was so unpleasant watching them taking kids in there and getting them to shoot the shoot the rifle range stuff. Um, so gun, guns are terrifying things. So if you talk about cleaning it up, nobody talks about we should never see a gun on television. So, but but kids love it. Kids love to play cowboys and Indians or play robots and aliens and shoot each other. So and this watching this and seeing a bit of blood and being safe with it makes you feel grown up. But can you go too far? Because I, uh,
0: I think there's a scene in this story that goes too far.
1: You I, you can go too far in the wrong direction. I mean, they, they always say, don't they? If a kid can copy it and hurt their sister or hurt someone realistically, so they, if, it's, if they all went into the kitchen and got the knives out and started stabbing each other, that would probably be too much
0: yeah because well, there is a sequence where one of those lasers and probes is which is just effectively a needle is stabbed mm. into the head of one <laughs> of the robots which you know like the the illusion is there they're supposed to be people that's supposed to be a needle like that is what is happening there but yeah. that's not the scene i was talking about the scene i think that goes too far is where the child is put into the position it's a pov shot of s of sv7 strangling toos you are the person strangling tooth and i think it's a terrific bit of direction mm. i think it might be a step too far to put children in the like in the pov shot of murdering somebody
1: well hopefully the children will all be behind the sofa by that point already because the robot's already in the room but will you but you know that it's not you, you, it, you... Unless you're a, unless you're a sicko who gets off on that kind of thing, it's I don't know. It
0: was very real to me. When I was a kid, like like this this world was far more exciting to me than my world.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely, isn't it? It's it's such an escape.
0: I don't want to be that person. That I don't want mm. to be that person that's censoring these things. I wouldn't take anything out, any of the scares or the violence in season twenty two and stuff like that. I, just, I do. I do wonder sometimes if perhaps she had a point
1: yeah um like th- uh, well yes she did but also what you should also remember is that she was a, a fascist lunatic who wanted <laughs> to control <laughs> everything that we saw on screen and should have shut the fuck up oh i like that character yeah we liked him what was his name i can't even remember <laughs> it's not Chubb, is it no Chubb is it for, for all. all it's for all isn't it for all that's another story no. Okay, never mind. Anyway, but you Ooh, think D84's going to kill... D84's going to kill Leela here, which is, again, it's a clever twist because we've seen them killing all the others. Yeah. But but there's a clue for the viewer because he can speak, and so he's not a dumb, and, yeah, it's all just incredibly clever, isn't it? As
0: Tom Baker says, he's a robot with secrets. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I killed him, would I not have killed you too? oh yeah grigory DePonte.
1: what a voice yeah absolutely gorgeous isn't it he's a fantastic man
0: it's clearly like someone doing a robot voice but he injects it with enough feeling doesn't he
1: yeah and it's that slightly sing-song slightly silly tone that's such a joy to copy because you can copy this you can you can do that. please do not throw hands at me so
0: that kind of that's me every time i have failed <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> i cannot talk don't great... you love that 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 thing that tom makes failure is one of the great freedoms
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh i was thinking about that yesterday actually when i was thinking oh i've made all the wrong decisions today i've got everything wrong oh what a disaster let's carry on making wrong decisions and just embrace it this is great. That's how I
0: my entire life. That's how I learn, you know, by making decisions. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god! This line she has in a minute where she goes, "You try that again, and I'll cripple you."
1: <laughs> <She never laughs> oh, kick in! Okay, so that's too much violence. She kicked him in the nuts. There we go.
0: Sofa. What turns up on Blake Seven?
1: That is the I uh, uh, Tim Dickinson. Asked Tim Dickinson about this. This is the famous terrazzo sofa. This appears again in Time Lash, Blake Seven, all over the place. It is a, it's like a modern art sofa that they just happen to have. They cost two thousand. They cost ten thousand pounds or something. Really? They cost more than your house.
0: In Time Lash, they sprayed it this like nasty color green. Do you remember?
1: Yeah. Well, I I, I like Time Lash. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, that's all i want to say about Tom. i like
0: okay. fun, I <laughs> it's fun isn't it it's
1: yeah yeah uh i look at those lovely little cassettes do you, do you see the little uh, not cassettes yeah. calculators they have on the walls that uh that serve as uh as entry coders
0: but i've got to be honest yeah aside from a few sort of technology things like that yeah yeah this story does avoid a lot of the sort of missteps that we get you know the spinning reel tapes and things like that (laughs) when they're trying to portray the future because they've just gone sort of total glam
1: Mm, yeah i I bet then on the other side of the room you've got those lovely bits of art that we just want to see those it's got a lovely little stained glass mirror and they've got a bit of gold art over there so nice
0: stained glass door they make a joke don't they when they're hiding lucky they've got no eye for art (laughs) isn't it when they're hiding behind a stained glass door Yes. And, I,
1: I, and you can tell someone's just gone they've gone with bits of wood and card and somebody's gone over, over this room with silver tape they just run around the room with silver tape making shapes and having a whale of a time but it looks amazing i don't know
0: you know there but has got the equivalent of a nude up on his wall there
1: <laughs> well that tells you a lot about this, this is ivana's room is it
0: yeah, 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 I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With,
1: with with his with his secret kinky bed bed that he's got with a little curtain and his nude hanging up. It tells you a lot about the character. Ah, uh, would you like a jelly baby Joe? Shut up. <laughs> 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 you know what
0: I love here, the exchange, right? I've been waiting to say this all my life, so now finally I can it on a podcast. What's it? <laughs> Why don't you shut your mouth? Why don't you shut yours? What? She's as good as accusing me of murdering my friends. You <laughs> had any friends. Oh it's just such sayable dialogue. And because they all fucking hate each other, it's just great. It, it crackles, doesn't it?
1: Uh, Michael O'Brien just did a shot there with five people, and you can see all their faces, and it, and you can see them all looking, and it's the perfect Agatha Christie shot, because they're all pondering and scheming and thinking, how yeah, this affects them.
0: But he doesn't block it in a sort of, sorry, Lucy, Michael, Peter Moffat style way, where everyone's sort of, or Ron Jones, where they're also sort of lined up in a row. It actually looks like people standing in a room, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. it's a sort of like pyramid leading through and then Paul's right at the back. It's clearly Paul who's the killer. Look at him. He is so guilty.
0: I don't know because Ball goes up to Tom Baker now and tries to strangle him.
1: Yeah, just like the robots.
0: Have you ever said this line? A classic example of the inverse ratio between the size of the mouth and the size of the
1: brain. No, because I know that I'd get halfway through it and I go, classic inversion of the notion of the brain of the Blair."
0: I always say it all the time to people at work and they go,
1: huh? Oh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You you do not work with an army of Doctor Who fans, clearly.
0: No, not at all. Not one. No. Like, not one. Um, I, well, I, would, I would very briefly like to talk about um, Brian Croucher, who is uh, going to reach his demise, I believe, before the end of this episode. Yeah, um, and it's off screen as well. He doesn't even get like a death scene, does he?
1: No, no, no. He, he uh, he's got his lovely pink outfit with his absolutely gigantic collar. And yeah, he dies off screen. What a shame!
0: And yet, somehow, he's still managing to play this as a bit of a sort of cockney lad, isn't he?
1: I, I yeah, it's his mode, isn't it? But but he's so good at it. He's so I'm sure I've seen him in other things where he turns it down a bit. But he's he's just the bully boy at this point, and that's what I like about his Travis as well. That he's gone from being the suave villain to a bully boy cockney thug. And if you can buy into that, then it's fine. But, uh, yeah.
0: Because, it, like, the very first thing he does in this story, isn't he? He's, he's telling that story about... Oh, no, it's Chubb that's telling the story, isn't it? about the robot. He just twisted his arm off, oof, <laughs> all over in five seconds.
1: Yeah, but but he's got that kind of, like... In this in particular, he's got that kind of restrained violence because he's afraid, because he can't control the situation. And then he goes to attack the Doctor, and it's... Uh, and I look at him i don't know I, I i think he he plays this extraordinarily well even it's like all bullies are well there's the theory, all bullies are afraid and they're all like just trying to control the situation and that is clearly what he's doing here i love oh, this that
0: bit, this bit now where zilda's damn <laughs> you flatter yourself
1: look how close they get it is right in for the kiss isn't it yeah he's
0: breathing down her neck
1: their noses are pr- and they've got the same nose He's copied her nose makeup
0: <laughs> he goes, he goes, i'll have more money than you a fancy family ever dreamed of
1: god if someone talked to me that close at work you I think of the implication their bloody noses off <laughs> give them a slap um although they have been slapping each other in this scene anyway
0: ah uh, so this is where you see dash trousers isn't it Yes, I was going to say before this scene, though, it could have been any one of them, still, couldn't it? It's still a bit up in the air.
1: Oh yeah, everyone says, "Oh, you see dust trousers," but honestly, yeah, I was looking, I was looking at everyone's trousers previously to this, so I would remember who was wearing what trousers. Fuck off.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this this design here of these straps now <laughs> they make it work because they 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 cover it with a line, you know, it's yeah. like stronger than steel or something like that. When you change the molecular state. of <laughs> <laughs>
1: but it's clearly just a couple of leather straps stuck together with velcro yeah i was like liking the dominators where they all just go and stand against the wall and say oh no i'm strapped to this wall by invisible molecular bonds or
0: in Dark evasion of earth where they're holding the collars up do you remember <laughs> <laughs> it's like being magnetized but they're clearly holding them up
1: to the wall it's very difficult because you you, you might not want to actually put your actors in really painful restrained positions uh, on television because because they, they'd complain you know and, they, and they'd, they'd
0: get hurt a long time to shoot as well
1: is the truth mm. <laughs> uh, okay today was we're, we're shooting the scene where you're on the rack so we're going to put you on the rack for eight hours today let's see how you get on with that or oh, no thank you
0: in the minute where leela says to paul you know oh you move like a hunter watch all the time david <laughs> collins says in the documentary he goes i mean you know, put 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 my acting skills to the to the absolute limit. He goes, I'm having to move like a hunter, dressed head to toe in chiffon. You
1: know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What the hell are you? Are you you're hunting for your next camp pair of trousers. <laughs> oh it
0: is
1: yeah. So back 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 on the beautiful command deck at the moment. oh it's you know. I, it's-
0: those robots are underlit there as well, so the so the masks sort of glow. It was, it was a nice mm. thing. you imagine that thing is in the middle there? That big sort of plastic ball.
1: Ah, I love bits of equipment like that. And he's looking at it. It's it's kind of like a it's, it's some kind of directional control. So it's like the um, the wheel on a ship, isn't it? Mm. Uh, somewhere between a wheel and a binnacle. Is it a binnacle? The one that John Pert we nicked off that shit that oh, time. Oh,
0: yeah, he's given it to his son. He had to buy it back off him,
1: didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I need it back, Sean. And they've all got their, oh, they've all got the Spock Star Trek um, view screens, haven't they? The little view screens they look at. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, big green is ball.
0: Another question, it's, but it's one of mine. Is oh, it, yes, yes,
1: no, please do. Uh,
0: well, I've sort of written down in my notes here that all the victims have an unlikable moment like they're flawed and they're rich and they're pampered even Toos at one more and one moment in with sv7 she just goes no 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 just bring him to me like she's, <laughs> like being it's a robot i know it's a robot And she's yeah, like, yeah. impression. but effectively she's being quite mean uh yuvanov is arrogant you know Toos is ma- uh, sorry zilda is massively arrogant like are we supposed to like these rich pampered people
1: <laughs> well but you do don't you i like all of these characters i know I they're all because of the actors yeah well i and i i i don't think paul is intrinsically on paper a likable character but again i just, just love David collins um and ivanov is the uh, ivanov is a bit frightening and a bit intimidating but you do like him, particularly towards the end.
0: I think if Russell Hunter wasn't giving the sort of charming line readings that he is, Ivanov mm. could be a very unlikable character.
1: Mm. Yeah. Although th- it might come down to this theory of. Um, the way you make people really like you is: at first, you're really horrible to them, and then you start throwing them little bits of being nice, so they feel that they've they've broken through your harsh exterior.
0: That's called the Sixth Doctor effect, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, ha- I hate that as an idea, and so did the audiences in 1986. <laughs> oh, <we're laughs> they went up for it quite a lot lately, you know. <laughs> is it aerodynamically impossible for you to fly, Joe? Other, I'm
0: rather fond of bumblebees. <laughs> I'm honestly am very fond of bumblebees. Uh, would you get a nice? They've been disappearing lately, though.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, that's still going on, isn't it? Uh.
0: Did you see that? Louise Jameson completely dropped out of character when she went, <laughs> "Thank you," and sort of...
1: <laughs> I. But this is a, this is our second story, isn't it? So she's still trying to. I, I think after this, there's no more lapses like that. There's there's none whatsoever.
0: But I do think she has a few moments where she's characterised quite badly. There's moments in Invisible Enemy and an oh, Animal, yeah. but I think her characterisation throughout season fourteen, these three stories, is some of the best characterization any companion has ever been given.
1: Yeah, just this year, isn't it? And then I think it maybe maybe she should have left in Talons because she's not as good after that. No. I mean, um,
0: does go a bit. I think she's really good in Horror Fang Rock. And in yeah.
1: So, 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 Joe, you're writing a Doctor Who companion, and you're in a hurry because there's a a script due. So, what do you do? Well, I'd call for a robot. (laughs) Oh
0: yeah, (laughs) don, 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 don. (laughs) (laughs) This is is great, though, isn't it? The way he very simply makes him realise,
1: like, yeah, was here. And even even the six year old, seven year old is miles ahead of pool at this point. The audience is way ahead of him, which is so satisfying to watch. And when he realizes, oh, that's that's really that just gets you, doesn't it? That's just like, ah, you sucker.
0: What's really sad is we've lost, you know, the bit where he said I'll call for a robot and there's that whopping great close-up on his face. <laughs> we don't really get those
1: anymore, do we?
0: They're well, a bit a bit over the top, the close-ups, you know, the the, the great zoom in when you realise something.
1: Uh, the loss of theatrical hyperbole is the greatest <laughs> loss on television. <laughs> like, I-, I want close-ups. I want actors like Zilda here crying badly.
0: Oh, <laughs> listen, now, come on. No, look, we praise the stories of a high heaven. This is not great acting, is it?
1: <laughs> you, you <did> it <laughs> you murder- Steve,
0: <laughs> you filthy, disgusting, murdering animal! <laughs>
1: Oh well, I didn't realize I didn't realise you thought of me that way. <laughs> I know your past,
0: you know. My brother, yeah. we work with you once.
1: <laughs> you pushed but him off the train. I will I will defend it on the grounds that a uh well, is a, a I'm gonna say silly posh girl, which is that slightly unfair, but a silly posh girl who's out of her depth might actually do exactly that. And cry unconvincingly and uh, uh, so somebody who's not practiced in the emotions of being upset would behave that way
0: and you know if she was the only female character in this it would be unforgivable <laughs> we've got um Pamela Salem playing the charming sophisticate haven't you and oh, then hell. Louise Jameson playing the noble savage so you've got different types of women in this
1: how, how have we not talked about pamela salem and how oh. wonderful she is oh do you know what i would you know i would, <laughs> would
0: not say that about me. god she is beautiful tom baker says right in the documentary he goes we used to do we used to do rep together me and pamela and she'd come on the stage and all the oxygen will be sucked off the stage and we'd all be feeling a bit saint because it's all the collective gasps of everybody in the audience and he said nobody was looking at our acting they were just all looking at pamela
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's such a darling such a beautiful darling so so good in this but like
0: both her roles in doctor who she embodies she, I, she's utterly convincing in both of her roles yeah
1: there's uh, there's a lot of relationship as well because you got uh because of the command structure you a got of in command and, uh, and um two pilots. pilot Pilotus. Pilatus is the second. Pilotus. <laughs> yeah. uh, and they they're they're a kind of mum and dad in a way of yeah. this fam- the family on board. Uh which is, I, it's just an odd thing, isn't it? The
0: but... kids end up dead and there's just the two of them with Z yeah. Z9 electron packs. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask you something? Ask me lots of things. Are you telling me that the painstaking research I've devoted my life to have been superseded by a bunch of tin plated pepper pots?
1: I'm afraid it has. <laughs> Bad luck, Joe. Oh, uh, Barbara Wright. No?
0: That's Pamela Salem Oh Salmon no, Pamela Salem in later. I remember
1: it's other Dalek. She came state. back, of course. Yeah, okay. The
0: British rocket group's got its own problems.
1: I feel that our pod- this podcast commentary has just hit a massive, massive hole in the ground and tilted to one side and our Archimedes screws are falling off.
0: <laughs> Did you notice all of that weird fabric on the floor?
1: Yeah what's that all about there's there's the tiger skin rug as well there's all kinds of weird stuff well it's comfy for the actors to fall on
0: louise jameson got to throw herself on that sofa though didn't she
1: (laughs) could you throw yourself on the sofa a little less harshly because it's a very expensive sofa we have to get it back to stock
0: i think miles fothergill has got the most sinister voice
1: in all of doctor who you know Oh yes, yeah. as has. As oh god, and that little look to camera as well. SV7, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think terrible. we, at this point,
0: everyone's got a secret, haven't they? Everyone's got a backstory. We don't quite know all the details of
1: anyone. No, but we're going to find out, aren't we? Yeah.
0: Are we supposed to expect like a Pyro moment though, where the Doctor gathers everyone together?
1: <laughs> well, I, he's not quick enough, is he? Because I mean, if you gather everyone together, you'd just be barreling corpses into the main control room, wouldn't you? <laughs>
0: Steve, this should be appalling, this sequence, where they're just pretending that this mining ship is, you know, going to sink into the ground and blow up. And we've done this a million times in Doctor Who, this sort of fake jeopardy. But it's just acted with so much urgency.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm sold. This is, uh, again, another Blake 7 comparison. The episode Orbit, where you've got uh, Paul Darrow and Michael Keating on set and you just think about how brilliantly it works and then you think about them filming it and how how can you project all of this onto the screen when you're just standing there in a silly hat it's so so these 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 guys are so talented it's unbelievable
0: if pamela salem screams she's going then she's going all right she's going! <laughs> it's so great it's such a brilliant cliffhanger
1: yeah, you've got a punch really? up, the only punch up, yeah. I think it's brilliant because it's a
0: really shitty moment of jeopardy that's just realized with <laughs> much skill. It's not <laughs> sure doing what... anything what they're going through. Like it's like what is this made up situation that they're you
1: know? I'm I'm not sure why um why uh, Leela's covering her ears though. I don't know, maybe it's all the alarms and the, the panic and stuff.
0: Well, just sort of Vicky tended to do that quite a lot, didn't she, when she would yeah. just sort of grab her head, you know? Uh, Joe Grant did it as well, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, but, uh, and leaders come from that savage society, so actually that's a convincing reaction because she would not be used to all the industrial stuff and alarms and noise going on. That would be very different for her. Interesting.
0: Steve, are you bold enough to now for me to return to Twitter to ask you more concre- uh, more questions?
1: Well, only if the, the only if the Twitterati are more content to give themselves more pats on the back.
0: Okay, well, then they
1: can. Let's have some more
0: brilliant questions. God, I've got like 40 responses here. Are you aware of this? <laughs> have to, do it. Some of these I'll have to do quickly. Okay, Todd Bilby from Flight for Entirety asks, could Toos have been a companion?
1: No, carry on. No, yes. No, wait, Toos? <laughs> Pamela Salem? My God, yes. My oh, my
0: God. God. It would be formative for a lot of young men in the 1970s, <laughs> like that, had she been...
1: Um, get, but, but Toos and Leela together, how would that work? Toos would just be like, uh, I don't know, I think they'd be at, they'd be at each other, I don't think they'd get
0: on. I'm not sure who this is, but with the intriguing name of Cy Fly. Cy so, Fly? Uh, another I'm, Cy? Yeah, another <laughs> so It says, great design of, but it's that VHS cover where the robots look like craftwork. That's really iconic,
1: am I right? Is he right? He is right, and I hadn't thought of the Craftwork album cover. I think it, I, I think it's the our album Craftwork where they've got the robots in a row, that is the same as this. And oh, that's so clever. That VHS cover is so good. Great. Nobody knows. Who, nobody scary. knows who did it. Who did it? Who did that cover? I don't know. Who Who is? Okay, I've got a question for you. Yeah. Who is the girl with the flaxen hair? What does that mean? On the back of the VHS, there's a little thing saying there is an expert from The Girl with the Flaxen Hair. Oh, and, yeah. I, I, and
0: I've
1: never... I, like, I, I know now, because I looked it up, it's it's by Debussy and it's a little bit of music, but I cannot place that music in the episode anywhere. I'm sure uh, someone like Cy Hart would be able to tell us where it is, but I don't know. Uh, so, yeah, but it's... We'll ask him another time, shall we? Yeah, yeah another time.
0: The Girl with the Flaxen Hair? Anybody <laughs> write in and let us know? <laughs> okay, this person's asked three questions so i'm going to do a quick fire round you ready is it fraser no it's mark a5 experience explanation mark
1: oh explanation okay. mark
0: okay he's got a fabulous beard <laughs> um okay question one Pamela salem best actress who was never cast as a companion oh that's a safe question
1: oh um uh, best uh, hang on a better actress who was never cast as a companion is in stones of blood and it's uh beatrix, beatrix
0: layman yes two are the robots the best designed classic monster
1: Oh, the best design! No, you got the mechanoids. Fuck's sake. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: gore in Doctor Who, yay or nay? The hand with the obvi- obvious human flesh on it.
1: We didn't have that in the episode, did we? We didn't have the gory hand, and the gory hand's still in our future. A lot of the
0: scares are in episode three, actually, so you have to hold my hand, I think. Can you,
1: can yeah. you tell me when the hand's coming up so I can have my Heidi cushion? I need my Heidi cushion. But gore, yay or nay? Um, I, uh, I, uh, I'm going to put a qualified yay. Okay. Provided it is on screen for less than three seconds and provided it is not obviously a bit of brain.
0: Dylan Rees from Doctor Who 2 Holford. Oh,
1: lovely Dylan. Yep.
0: God, he's just fabulous. Do you know what? I'm absolutely obsessed with this podcast at the moment. Yeah. Um have you ever listened to the follow up series Caldor City from Magic Bullet? If so, what are your thoughts on it? If not, why not? It's bloody glorious, he
1: says. Oh, okay. Joe, have you listened to it?
0: i actually have it but i haven't listened to it but i'm going to on the back of this
1: yeah i i i uh, um i yeah well why not why not let's listen to keldor city because it's probably really good uh next question
0: (laughs) also asked do you think the robots are hot i'm asking for a friend (laughs) someone would fuck them would they let's be
1: honest Well, given that they probably have uh, advanced processors uh, and uh, quite a lot of uh, circuitry packed into them, I should imagine they run at quite a high temperature. So, yes, they're probably quite hot.
0: We did say they looked sort of mixed gender, didn't we? And Dylan likes both sexes. So that's probably why he finds them so hot.
1: So, Dylan, here's a question for you. uh, And you can respond on Twitter. Would you like to be fucked by someone wearing the robot mask? If so, I just
0: happen to have one right here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, Graham Hampton. Lots of new names here. Graham Hampton. Lovely. When Borg knocks the bag of jelly babies out of the Doctor's hand, one of the Vox robots has a very interesting reaction. Oh, it's not a statement. It's not a question.
1: Yes, they do. Yes, yes. And because and, they watch, they track the jelly babies flying and landing. And that's really, that's really good. It's such a, and... It's another little detail that gives the robot's character as well, that makes you feel, because it's comical. But at the same time, it's right, because a robot would have that kind of trafficking software that they'd watch them fly. And also maybe, there's also probably thinking, which bugger is going to have to clear up these jelly babies? Is it going to be one of these guys, these humans? No, me, a robot, I'm going to have to clear it up.
0: That's a good point. Fraser Gregory prepares. There we go.
1: (laughs) <laughs>
0: snog, marry, send for a massage in Kaldor City. Two Ivanov and D eighty four.
1: I've not done one of these before. I don't think I've not done a snog, marry, send to Kaldor City. Um, who, who was it? It's was two Ivanov and D eighty four. Well, I would. Uh, I would snog two Ivanov and D eighty four. I would marry two Ivanov and D eighty four. Um, and we'd all live together in a big house. And all have
0: massages <laughs> together.
1: Yes, yes, D84 would give us massages. I'd lie between Uvanov and Toos, and and we'd massage each Oh, my God, carry on.
0: I don't know what's happened to you. Do you know what? Honestly, yeah. Survival, you know, you were telling me not to talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I'm going to finish off with Darren Lit Roundles, Wonderful Darren Lit Lovely If Darren. you worked on the Sandminder, which outfit would
1: you wear? oh well the um the uh, oh oh my word oh so much to choose from do you know what i would i would every day i would wear a different outfit but this is also something that um it brings back an old memory um you know that the the sort of fabric they wear that sort of like gold um fabric uh when when i was about and particularly that bit you know the bit where um hurts her arm and they're wrapping it up in that kind of fabric stuff when i was about four or five years old i was in the school play and we were doing the story of rama and sita and i had a pair of gold trousers knitted uh, made by my mum, out of that very kind of fabric that very kind of like stretchy kind of fabric and it was the most outrageously itchy fabric i've ever worn oh. so uh, i was, I I was wear any uh, of them then yeah I, well if i could wear if i could wear an underlayer a nice soft underlayer then yeah i'll probably be happy with it but um but it's so it's so itchy, Itch, itchy, itchy. that's all i can think
0: it. of who's fabulous crown you know god wouldn't we all pamela salem tells a story you know in the documentary about how she's got a neighbor this crazy old bird who lives next door she wears like this this gold uh uh diamond crown and she says every time she sees her she goes past and she goes you know do you like my crown and pamela salem sort of nods because she's nice and goes oh you look lovely says <laughs> it reminds her of tooth every
1: time uh i no, would i would wear i'd wear the men's clothes i'd wear the women's clothes it would be a top laugh <laughs>